What's up, QAA listeners? The fun games have begun. I found a way to connect to the internet. I'm sorry, boy. Welcome, listener, to Chapter 236 of the QAnon Anonymous Podcast, the Melted Boy Summer Begins episode. As always, we are your hosts, Jake Rakotansky, Ali Mezzi, and Travis View. So we're recording this on the summer solstice, the day of the summer solstice, and uh, I titled this Melted Boy Summer Begins because uh, based entirely on vibes, basically, because um, it just feels like there's a lot of factors and events that are converging in a way that is going to make the next few months a sweaty, waking hallucination. So like Trump is starting to get nailed by the criminal justice system in a way that, you know, really, I never really thought was going to happen. In addition to that, the high profile, very seriously pilled movie, Sound of Freedom, is going going to be released in a couple weeks, and this comes after years of distribution delays, so I, fe- I feel it's just fate timely. It ha- has to happen right now, this summer. And, uh, you know, anti-vaccine activist Robert Kennedy Jr. is ramping up his presidential campaign and a bid to challenge President Biden's re-election. And uh, quite recently, the world of social media was enthralled by the story of five people who climbed inside a tiny submarine that was supposed to allow them to dive deep into the Atlantic Ocean and view the wreckage of the Titanic, but they have since gone missing during the mission and by now has certainly joined the cold, dark, watery fate of the Titanic's own passengers. And that, of course, uh, spawned a lot of morbid jokes and uh, Twitter conspiracy theories, but um, it's just been very, very strange to see unfold. So to help our beloved listeners sort of share in my persistent sense of dread, we're going to talk about all of that, starting, of course, with the Trump indictment, because he did it again, folks. The master. (laughs) The master. He's done it once again. (laughs) I mean, he already has has a world record two impeachments as president and then he scored a double double <laughs> by being criminally charged a second time as ex-president that means he beat his own record for most indictments as an ex-president it's just the best there ever was <laughs> wow yeah he's like i'll get the most indictments out of anybody i heard abraham lincoln only had one indictment but um <laughs> <laughs> But I'm going to go for two, folks. We're going to have, we're going to stack them. We're going to be getting indicted so many times. You won't even be able to follow it. It's going to be great for me, especially that I'm doing it goodly. No, this is, this is definitely, we haven't had a real vibey episode like this in a while, so I'm looking forward. This is also, of course, why we, why we invited Allie on to, uh, you know, so we can all bask in the vibes. Just letting it wash over us. (laughs) Yeah. Very excited to have our, you know, our resident legal expert to sort of like help us kind of like make sense of this because this the second indictment comes courtesy of special counsel Jack Smith, really the hottest, newest special oh, yeah. counsel on the scene. I mean, he's young, he's Gen Xer, not not all these old boomer uh, special counsels. He knows what he's doing. He's currently looking into Trump's attempts to overturn the election and um, Trump's uh, stubborn insistence on keeping classified materials at his Mar-a-Lago uh, residence in Florida. Jack Smith's first indictment is a bad. It includes felony violations of uh, national security laws. It also mentions a conspiracy to obstruct justice. So the 37-count indictment includes allegations that he stored classified documents in a bathroom and shower at his Florida club. He showed documents to people without security clearances, and he at times tried to conceal material from his own lawyers and investigators. I mean, Ali, and you read this. I mean, I really liked the the full-color photos. I mean, I don't know how many indictments really have really nice, clear photos like this but uh yeah there was there was one of uh of uh stacks of boxes that were allegedly of classified documents and one of the storage places is the stage of a ballroom that has like these white walls and gold molding it's the white and gold ballroom yes, yeah this course. looks like this looks like the basement of a local church where you would practice your battle of the band set you know the bathroom though i think is the absolute best one where there's just heaps of boxes in his shower or something like that And after looking at all those pictures, I have um, no doubt in my mind that if Trump owned smaller properties, he would be a hoarder. (laughs) This is this is, you know, only a rich person can do something like this where, you know, you're at the pool or whatever. And you're like, oh, like I I have to go to the bathroom or whatever. Uh, Where should I? Where's the best place? And and somebody's like, oh, you can go into the there's a uh, there's a bathroom in the uh, in the guest house over there. You're like, oh, sweet. Cool. And you go and you're like, oh, man, there's just fucking tons of boxes and shit in here. It's like, this is only something that a rich person does. Yeah, I don't get it. Like, even his method of, like, illegally storing documents is somehow showy and ostentatious. He doesn't have, like, a shed, a storage closet, somewhere tucked away. It's like, no, no. From reading the 
the indictments, though, it seems like he was just like rapidly shuffling the box from room to room to room to hide them from people. Um, and then uh. the people that he was like having do it or the person he was having doing it was his um, former Diet Coke valet at the White House. Oh, <laughs> yeah. my God. Because yeah, because no, in addition to Trump being indicted, the person that he is, um, well, one of the people that he is alleged to have conspired with um, is a man named Waltine Nauta, who um, I guess was on the um, the cooking staff at the White House. And then after he was done in the Navy, because the Navy runs the cooking staff at the White House, he joined Trump's PAC. And I guess his job in the White House was to bring Trump Diet Coke on a literal silver platter. And I guess he just continues doing that and also moving boxes. Every billionaire has got a Diet Coke guy, you know? And when it came to these, you know, when it came to moving these documents around, they were like, oh, well, who are we going to get to do this? Oh, like, well, here's, here's 10 qualified people. And he's like, no, 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 I got a Diet Coke guy. <laughs> Like, let's He's carried the most precious cargo. <laughs> that's that's crazy. I didn't know that. I think my favorite part of the indictment was it sort of describes this really absurd scene uh, where Trump is talking about how during the last days of his presidency, General Mark Milley was worried that Trump would like launch an attack against Iran in order to like create some sort of distraction, sort of like Reichstag fire moment. So uh, Mark Milley's actions were previously covered by the New Yorker. So this isn't new information, but Trump was apparently interviewed for a book and this interview was attended by a writer, a publisher, and two Trump staffers. And during that interview, Trump pulled out classified documents which detailed war plans, which he seemed to believe absolved him of the accusation that he was planning to launch an attack in the last days of his presidency. And while showing these classified documents, he acknowledges that he can't declassify them anymore since he's no longer president. So this, <laughs> this conversation was recorded. And so it led to this amazing dialogue between Trump and the staffer, which is published in the indictment. I just found, isn't that amazing? This totally wins my case, you know. Uh-huh. Except it's like highly confidential. Uh, yeah. <laughs> secret. This is secret information. Look, look at this. You attack it. By the way, isn't that incredible? Yeah. And I was just thinking, we were talking about it. And, you know, he said he wanted to attack Iran. And well, what? you did. This was done by the military and given to me. Uh, I think we could probably, right? I I, I don't know. Well, well, we'll have to see. Uh, Yeah, we'll have to try declassify to- Declassify um, it. Yeah, figure out a way to- uh... See, as president, I could have declassified it. Yeah. <laughs> but now I can't, you know, because it's still a secret. Yeah. Um, and now we have a problem. Isn't that interesting? <laughs> <laughs> I mean, this is so, it just seems like, to be trepidation in whoever this is talking. It's very funny because it wasn't interesting before we had the problem, but now we've got the problem, and it's very interesting. So, so, so it's, it's, it's just funny. It's like I, I could have declassified, but I can't anymore. Now I have the secret information. Now it's a crime, and now I'm Top making you complicit. Isn't that funny? Isn't that funny? Making you an accomplice right now to this crime I am knowing, knowingly committing. Thank you, thank you, Mr. President. Thank you, sir. I feel so honored, sir. Well, it probably wasn't going to commit a crime because before he was just drinking my Diet Cokes. But now, <laughs> but now I think he's probably going to commit a crime. He'll probably do it for me and maybe get me a Coke even. <laughs> All right. So, I mean... Ali, you know, one of the things that always kind of confuses me a little bit about law and, you know, uh, sort of like prosecuting criminal cases is this idea of like intent, like whether or not they committed the crime, like knowing or they did something knowing that it was illegal. And I sometimes re read that sometimes that's tricky with Trump because he's so talented at believing his own bullshit. But I, I mean, I guess the point of this, this very absurd kind of dialogue is the show is like, no, he clearly knew what he was doing was against the law, right? Oh, absolutely. Yeah. <laughs> and also um, in the indictment, and I could I could just feel the joy that whatever DOJ guy typed this up as he had it. They had all these quotes from Trump's campaign run about how, you know, our men and women in uniform, they sacrifice their lives to get us classified information. And we need a president that will take care of that. And no one can be above the law and handling classified information. And like two or three times in the indictment, it breaks just to have these sections that are just extensive Trump quotes quotes about the handling of classified information. And it's just <laughs> trying to like hammer home that this is something he knew about and he just didn't care. Yeah, he ran yeah. on it. 
<laughs> I mean, literally. Yeah. I mean, yeah. I mean, it's like, think about, of course, it seems like necessary because Trump, he's so fucking slippery. Like he like he doesn't like email. He like rips up documents com- compulsively. He always basically uses like other people as kind of like a cat's paw to handle dirty business for him <laughs> so he doesn't get his hands dirty. So he's like, he's, he's able to like, you know, do all this like shady shit because he is like, you know, he's very paranoid and cautious. He's like a TV show mobster. Yeah. But he, yeah. he didn't even get caught. You know, it would be one thing if, you know, it was like a Tom Clancy novel where like, you know, there was record of him, you know, selling the secrets uh, to a foreign government or, you know, uh, using it to make some kind of real estate deal, you know, while exposing, you know, government secrets. But like instead, it's just him shuffling boxes from one room to another. Like he wasn't even doing anything cool with it. No, it's entirely a pissing contest with the um, the National Archives and Records Administration and the DOJ. It's all about like, no, fuck you. You can't tell me what to do. Yeah. Mm. And just writing that just as far as he can go. Amazing stuff. So you may not be surprised that uh, QAnon followers and influencers are claiming that this indictment is also part of the plan, the big QAnon plan. A lot of QAnon followers, in order to make sense of these events, they reference a 2019 Q drop, which essentially states that the Great Awakening will begin after the first arrest in what was supposed to be the massive storm of many arrests of powerful elites. And this is what that Q drop says. First indictment unsealed will trigger mass pop awakening. First arrest will verify action and confirm future direction. So the first arrest, the first indictments, of course, like back in the day, the bake was that the first arrest and the first indictment was like maybe Hillary, you know, maybe, maybe Obama, someone huge that will just like open people's eyes and make people realize that QAnon is right the whole time. But nowadays they actually, there's like, no, actually, maybe, maybe that was wrong. Maybe it's actually, it's Trump's indictment and Trump's arrest that, that will wake everyone up somehow. And so therefore Trump being arrested is literally part of the plan. This is how the QAnon media company Badlands Media spun the latest indictment. Is Trump the first indictment? Some say no. Others say yes. Regardless, the indictment of Trump will, I argue, expose false narratives that have festered within the minds of the deceived populace for years, specifically regarding Trump's alleged guilt and impropriety. The globalists have used Trump's presumed guilt to deceive millions who are made to hate Trump and therefore made to seek his arrest and indictment. The tension and buildup to his arrest and indictment kept them on the hook. Now that the indictment is finally here, the tension will be released. As the specific details and information is unveiled, this is where the globalists risk dispelling their own lie if the other side manages to unveil information that invalidates the false belief. This is precisely what Trump is doing and will do, I argue. If any of that dispelling information penetrates the protective layers wrapped around the deceived population, they will realize they have been lied to, and as such, they will become loud voices in the narrative war. I'm not really following the thread here, but it continues. I suspect that what we are about to witness will lead to widespread defection from false narratives related to Trump. This will then lead to a shifting of roles, where Trump moves from bad guy to good guy and the globalists do the same. Since the media will likely lose all clout from the exposition of their false narratives, the globalists using the media won't have any way to put the toothpaste back in the tube. What a Ugh. metaphor. Yeah, yeah. I mean, you kind of like tell, the feel the strain of the cognitive distance in some of this writing. Like, for example, it says like, well, what's going to happen is that Trump is going to move from bad guy to good guy and the globalists will do the same. So they will also move from bad guy to good guy. That doesn't make any fucking sense. Oh, then you mean they'll do the inverse. You know, it's like, uh, so I mean. You know that these guys have to be just tired of writing this. Like they sit down at their computer and just go, <sighs> <laughs> this, this like big sigh of I gotta do it again there's nothing that's being said it's just like yeah. everything you see is like the beginning of the good thing happening and bad to good there's there's they're not even coming up with like plots just sort of it's just sort of a general just sort of a general theme and like also you know if, you, if you're following the sort of national conversation around this like there won't be a tension release this is never gonna end e- even if Trump you know serves time in jail there will spring up, you know, three or four podcasts devoted to tracking his every, you know, tracking his every move and following his appeals and all. I mean, there's no, this is, it's purely sort of wish casting, I think, which is, I mean, really all you have at this point. 
all you did have. I mean, yeah. I mean, honestly, I mean, like what, what we learned from, uh, you know, research and psychology is that people can literally keep doing this for the rest of their lives. But it is going to be interesting to watch the behavior of the true believers as Trump's legal problems keep getting worse. And it's just going to be harder and harder and harder to reconcile the insistence that we're winning actually with the, you know, the material reality. Now, speaking of criminal activity, I should also mention that Hunter Biden also got busted. Not a felony. He actually, he pled guilty to two misdemeanor tax charges, and uh, he accepted terms that allowed him to avoid prosecution on a separate gun charge. And the deal is contingent on Biden remaining drug-free for about two years and never again owning a firearm. So let's see if he can manage that one. Wow, that's his Second Amendment rights getting trampled by big government. <laughs> yeah, for what? A, for what? A couple tax evasions come on yeah it was, it was over a million in the tax evasion so oh, i mean okay. it's uh obviously it's a it's a federal crime but it's a far cry from what republicans were hoping for which is that hunter biden would get like nailed for shady business dealings that somehow also involved president biden there was also some like you know um expectation that maybe there would be a discovery that hunter biden was involved in uh, being with underage girls and now it's true that he he did very frequently employ uh the services of sex workers but no one's been able to substantiate the claim that any of the women that Hunter was involved with were underage. So Hunter was a frequent topic of Q-drops. Uh, back in 2020, there was a Q-drop that linked to a report that said that the U.S. Treasury gave the Senate banking records related to Hunter Biden as part of an investigation. And under that link, Q assured followers this. Accountability is coming. Another Q drop from October 17th, 2020 also plays on the same theme, implying that an exposure of Hunter Biden was imminent and that his downfall would somehow lead to the downfall of all the evil elites. Subpoena of all H. Biden's financial records. Death blow. Pandora's political elite box. Q. Well, I mean... Apparently, they did subpoena his financial records, and what they found is he was late on his taxes. I mean, <laughs> yeah. I think more people should get busted for tax fraud, personally. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, I mean, you know what? Accountability did come because, look, I mean, you got a gun charge, a couple tax evasions. They probably, you know, you could probably sort of shove that under the rug, you know, if you didn't really want people to know about it. But no, they, they charged him. They brought him in. He took the plea deal. Smart and... Yeah, I mean, that that's it. I mean, yeah, I don't really give a shit what happens to Hunter Biden. He sounds like, you know, it sounds like a real badly addicted fail son. Now, I do think it's funny, like, how much, like, Q lowered expectations during the final Q drops. Because QAnon, it started, like, in 2017, 2018, it was like, Hillary Clinton and Obama will be found guilty of treason and child abuse and trafficking, and they'll be executed at Gitmo. And then, of course, years went on, this didn't happen, and then 2020, Q settled on, like, a more modest claim, which is that the president's son is going to get busted for corrupt business dealings. Not quite as spectacular, but much more plausible. But QAnon followers didn't even get that. <laughs> you know, it's just lower the expectations year after year to year, and you still get bullshit. Just funny. Yeah, but well, I guess it's something, you know, and of course, just the fact that there is a public story and the, that there's a public charge, you know, of course, there's going to be conspiracies like, oh, well, these charges are just these are the surface level charges. And like what's happening, it's because they're making a bigger case behind the scenes. And this is just the first shoe of many to drop. I mean, you can just go on forever with this stuff. Now, moving on to our next story, like one of our most popular episodes of all time is uh, Enter the Cavortex about uh, Jim Caviezel, a longtime actor and how absolutely out of his mind he is on sets. And he's back in the news because uh, he kicked off his media tour to promote his upcoming film, Sound of Freedom. Move over Barbie, move over Oppenheimer. There's a <laughs> right. hot film this summer. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, in this movie, Caviezel, he plays former CIA and Homeland security official Tim Ballard. Uh, this is a real person who also leads the nonprofit uh, organization Operation Underground Railroad. And uh, Ballard gave some fame after supposedly being involved in rescuing children from child trafficking. Now, in reality, investigations from Vice News revealed that Ballard's organization embellished their role in the rescue of a trafficked woman, didn't validate whether the people they intended to rescue were in fact actual trafficking victims, and conflated consensual adult sex work with sex 
sex trafficking. The organization's tactics have also earned them condemnation from established human trafficking experts. Isn't that the organization that um, used money from donations to pay a psychic to tell them where a child was? Yeah, that's 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 right. Whatever they did, like find children, for example, like they didn't have any like plans for aftercare. Like they were just a we're gonna drop in and fucking you know grab traumatized children and then what are you gonna do with them after this? Oh, we don't have plans for that. We're like an operator. It was like it was like a really horrifying kind of system, according to the descriptions of it. Well, and I think I mean that's probably the better movie, right? Is you know it's like a group of mercenaries hire a a, a clairvoyant medium to go searching and track down a lost child. Like, that's probably, I mean, who knows? Maybe that's what Sound of Freedom will eventually be. That movie comes out uh, Independence Day, July 4th. So haven't seen it yet. So I'm hoping, of course, they'll portray Ballard as played by Caviezel, like shooting pedophiles in the face and rescuing children from having their adrenalized blood harvested. He better be crawling the dumbs. Yeah, I'm curious to yeah. see whether it'll have that kind of stuff in it, like wh- whether it'll have references to dumbs or there will be. I mean, are we going to see the adrenochrome farms? I think that's a big question, on, on everybody's mind going into this movie. Is the psychic going to be a part of it? And will we see the adrenochrome farms? Because if we do, I mean, if we if there's an adrenochrome scene, that will be the first sort of, I guess, big budget, explicitly QAnon scene in a major motion picture. Mm-hmm. Well, won't have to wait too long to find out. To promote the film, uh, Caviezel appeared on Steve Bannon's podcast, War Room. So Bannon, he pitched uh, the movie hard. He called on his listeners to sell out theaters, so he's really on board. But the interview, it went off the rails very, very fast. So it was a 40-minute interview, and about four minutes in, Caviezel straight up tells Steve Bannon that the demand for trafficked children is driven by adrenochrome, which Caviezel claims falsely is a substance that is used to get high and has mystical qualities. What is driving the demand side of the equation? You talked about the, the it's trafficking for sex uh, and it's organ harvesting. Is there, is there other elements? Is it also for labor, for slave labor? or is it is Adrenochrome. It, uh, um, the whole adrenochrome empire. This is a big deal. It's, uh, it is under, listed under the NIH. It is uh, is a chemical compound. It's a molecular structure. It's uh, C9H9NO3. It is, uh, it, it's an elite drug that they've used for many years. It's 10 times more potent than um, uh, heroin. And um, it has some mystical qualities as far as making you look younger. <laughs> oh, my God. He, like, goes through all the length to, to, to prove how scientific it is, listing out the compounds and everything. And then he's like, and it contains these mystical qualities. <laughs> I know. I mean, he does. He does what they always do. It's like, well, you know, adrenochrome is a real substance that you can buy online for pretty cheap, but it, it doesn't get you high. It doesn't have any uh, special, um, you know, youth properties. That's the QAnon bullshit. He's like, you see, this compound is. Um, he's like, it's it's listed on the periodic table of elements, and the effects are magic. <laughs> Oh, boy. All right. Well, getting closer to my prediction, maybe that Adrenochrome does make an appearance in the film, or maybe they edited that part out, and that's why he's selling it so hard on all the interviews. They actually did, like, 10 months of shooting of scenes that they've never used just to convince him it was in it, so he would continue doing <laughs> press for it. Yeah. yeah, and then some, like, production assistant, like, you know, a couple months ago had to break it to him. They were like, I'm sorry, Jim, none of the... <laughs> None of the adrenochrome scenes made it into the movie. He's going to figure it out at, a pre- at the premiere. And yeah, people are going to be like, you know, I was really, I was really excited to see this movie. And you told me about all these wonderful scenes about adrenochrome, but he, I, 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 I didn't see it. And, you know, the guy who plays like the adrenochrome dealer, this is like his first big role. He's working with Jim Caviezel. He, he goes to the premiere. He's like, oh, man, all my scenes have been cut. Release the adrena cut. <laughs> yeah, the adrena cut. One of the sources of the of a myth that adrenochrome has some sort of psychoactive properties comes from the Hunter S. Thompson book Fear and Loathing in Las Vegas and the movie of the same name. Now, Steve Bannon, yeah, I mean, he's a horrifying fascist, but he's not dumb. And he seems to know that, you know, that adrenochrome, the mystical part of it is bullshit. He knows where the real story came from. And he actually brings up like fear and loathing uh, with Caviezel. And Caviezel kind of like waves that away and suggests that they kind of like address the supposed origin of the adrenochrome myth in the movie. Oh, well, that's basic confirmation. I mean, I don't know if that's, I don't know if that's true because Caviezel, like I tell you, Caviezel is out of his fucking mind. It's actually sometimes really hard to make sense of what the fuck he's talking about. In his defense, he was hit by lightning like four times. That is true. That is true. We should give him that. 
while Mel Gibson probably was like, nah, stay on that cross. <laughs> He's like, sir, I, I can't feel my feet, my finger. I can't feel any of my extremity. My body's locked up. He's like, He's like, now keep rolling. Use it. Use it. How do you think Jesus felt? All right, that was a segment from Behind the Scenes on The Passion of the Christ. There, there's that scene in Fear and Loathing in Las Vegas that nobody could figure out. No, it's, I saw game. that, and I tell you, th that had a big laugh. About 9% of the audience laughed, and I'll tell you, a we were— A knowing laugh? Oh, absolutely, they knew what an was going on. An insider knowing Absolutely laugh? what it was, and so we returned that on Sound of Freedom. Okay. What? Hunter S. Thompson, Deep State app. Wait, so he's saying that, that when he went to see, he went to see Fear and Loathing, like, you know, however many years ago it came out, I think it came out in the 90s, that there was, you know, 9% of the people in that audience that had a knowing laugh because they knew about adrenochrome and that he, and, and because of this, he brought it back for, <laughs> Travis, help me understand who's bringing I don't, what I where? can't, man. I'm, I'm playing, I was like, I'm playing it in context. So they move on from here, but I'm afraid that it's, it's very difficult to make sense of what the fuck he's talking about. So during the interview, Bannon seems to be, he seems to be kind of aware that what Caviezel is saying is good, might sound weird to maybe normie MAGA Republicans. So he tries to get Caviezel to elaborate on what he's talking about. Hang on. For those in this audience that know the details, but we'll share this with, because we want to share this with family and friends and take people to the theater. Go back to uh, the the, uh, the the stimulant in the blood, uh, adrenochrome, and and back it up with give me some facts so people don't say we're we're in well, it, we're, it, theory, we're in conspiracy theory. Land. Here's here's well okay so here's the point. Um, I don't believe that there's a hundred Biden laptop. You know how I know that because for two years the media said there was no such thing, so there's none. But then there is now. And then for seven years, we learned that Trump's a Russian spy. For seven years, well, you know he's a Russian spy, but then he's not. Well, that was about 80% of everything we heard from the media for the last seven years. And suddenly I bring this up and you say, well, this is conspiracy theory. So we're back to this whole conspiracy theory thing with the media that's putting on. Well, I mean, I had my career completely ransacked. I had no idea what I was stepping on. Oh, this is so unfortunate. I mean, it's tough. I mean, like Bannon, he has a lot of experience, like, you know, wrangling useful idiots. Um, I mean, mm -hmm. he, he does a pretty good job sort of keeping even like Mike Lindell on track. So he does like, you know, kind of like wrangle. Him okay, but I gotta say, I, I think Caviezel is getting worse. Like, I mean, he's a professional actor, he's been working for decades. But in this interview, he's like red faced, he acts confused, and sometimes he has difficulty, like, even like finishing his sentences. And sometimes his sentences aren't even like you know coherent, he's stumbling over his words. I mean, it's bad. And we're gonna see a lot more of him this summer because he's gonna be promoting this fucking movie. Yeah, I mean, what's so weird about this is that like Jim Caviezel is like, you know, or or at least when I was, you know, was aware of his work, you know, was a triple A celebrity. And what he sounds like in this interview is that he's just like a regular, like normie guy Q-pilled. Like the media lied about this, the media lied about this. And because the media is lying about those things, then they're certainly lying about this thing. They're certainly just around the corner of, of being exposed. Yeah. I mean, there's no reason why, why, a, a you know, a successful, famous, talented actor couldn't get Q-pilled, but it's just... It's just sad to see how redundant, you know, this this explanation is. We've been seeing people say these kind of things, you know, for years, just like, you know, on message boards or in YouTube videos or Rumble or whatever. Now the same shit is just like coming out of the mouth of this guy. Well, speaking of Bannon, uh, Robert F. Kennedy Jr. is ramping up his presidential campaign as a Democrat, and uh, Bannon is relevant to this story because CBS News reporter Robert Costa reported that uh, Bannon encouraged RFK Jr. to run for months, and uh, according to this report, people familiar with the matter said that Bannon hoped RFK Jr. could serve as both a useful chaos agent in the election while also helpfully stoking, quote, anti-vaccine sentiment around the country. That basically means that, you know, Despite the fact that you know RFK Jr. is very unlikely to uh, win, uh, he he will serve a political goal even if he doesn't. Now, what's interesting is like according to polls, he does actually have some support among uh, likely Democratic primary voters, somewhere in the neighborhood of fourteen to fifteen percent, according to five thirty eight. So you know that's not nobody. Have they run polls about what his appeal would be in the um, in the general among former Republican voters or likely Republican voters? Because something that I'm wondering is. 
is if Bannon didn't accidentally unleash someone that's equally as likely to be a um, a Republican spoiler. Mm. But um, I think I saw something where Bannon was saying that maybe he could be a running mate for a Republican in the general, oh. where I think that they might be nervous about like, oh, we might have made a miscalculation. Mm. You know, that's that's a, that's a possibility, too. Maybe it's like he runs up until his campaign is exhausted and then switches parties, maybe. Well, you know, there there is a good I mean, I, I can tell you anecdotally, at least, that there's a good amount of people, one or two maybe, uh, who I follow on Instagram, who are generally liberal. They are, you know, anti-Trump, uh, sort of anti-right wing, but who are also staunchly uh, anti-vaccine. So I would imagine that RFK has some kind of, you know, potential following, but nowhere near to be able to be a real contender, I think, on either on either side. Oh, yeah, I, I just think he would pull from both candidates if he ran third party in the general. Mm. Yeah. Maybe. Yeah. I don't know. It's weird. We got a Kennedy. He's up there. He's fucking around. He's saying weird shit. You know, we thought all Kennedys, you know, were golden, golden boys and, you know, that they would always come and rescue us at some point. And this just feels, yeah, very unsatisfying a return of a Kennedy. Who's he related to, by the way? How does he fit into the family? Um, he is, um, I believe he is Bobby's son. And Bobby was JFK's... He was um, JFK's younger brother who was running for president um, after JFK's assassination. And then he himself was assassinated by Sirhan Sirhan. Right. Okay. Okay. And and this is his son. Yes. Well, that's tough. I mean, that's tough. You got your uncle and your dad both assassinated. I don't know. Maybe I'd be crazy too. Both gunned down in extremely weird circumstances. Yeah. Yeah. That's... That sucks. I mean, I would, yeah, I mean, I would probably be a conspiracist too in that situation. But the thing is that is like his, his conspiracy theories aren't merely limited to political or historical matters. Like he, for example, has blamed school shootings on drugs like Prozac. In a discussion on Twitter, he told Elon Musk that uh, prior to the introduction of Prozac, we had almost none of these events. There's, of course, no evidence of a link between mass violence and antidepressants. He has also claimed that COVID-19 was an engineered bioweapon. He has pushed the HIV AIDS denialism, attributing AIDS not to the virus HIV, but to a, quote, gay lifestyle and recreational drugs. And that one's really nasty. I mean, people have literally died unnecessarily. I don't know. I think too much ugly, not enough good to be effective on any sort of spectrum of left, right? For much earlier earlier in his career, he does have some bona fides as an environmental lawyer. I know that he has some weird opinions about climate change currently, but um, he does have some history that he can point to that, you know, he helped um, fight against pollution in the Hudson River. So you know, there are some things that, you know, he can tout behind him. But yeah, I'd say that there is yeah. a lot of ugly there. One thing that he could do is proclaim that he's actually JFK Jr. And that <laughs> Robert Kennedy Jr. never existed. I mean, he that might sway a couple people on, on a certain side, but I don't know. Other, other than that, I don't know. It's going to be a tough race. Recently, uh, RFK Jr. appeared on the Joe Rogan podcast. This led to Peter Hotez, a vaccine expert and professor at Baylor College of Medicine and one-time Rogan guest, uh, to denounce uh, RFK Jr.'s claims as misinformation. RFK Jr. and Rogan then tried to goad Hotez into uh, debating the topic on Rogan's podcast, but of course he refused because like, they, oh, that's not productive. And this caused someone to stalk Hotez outside of his home. So real weird bullshit stuff. Recently, Brandy Zondrozny at NBC News published this fascinating profile of Robert Kennedy Jr. I recommend you go check it out. And it includes descriptions of his paranoid worldview and his vision for what an RFK Jr. administration might look like. President Kennedy would order childhood vaccines, which have already gone through clinical trials and constant safety studies, to undergo bigger, double-blind controlled trials. That sounds scientific, but those studies, health professionals say, would needlessly and unethically deny children vaccines, offering them a placebo instead, in a quest to find out what we already know, that vaccines are safe and prevent myriad illnesses. President Kennedy would gut the agencies that currently regulate, monitor, and recommend schedules for childhood vaccines. The Food and Drug Administration, the National Institutes of Health, and the Centers for Disease Control and Prevention, and the expert advisory panels of doctors, scientists, and professors they rely on. 
The agencies have become sock puppets for the industries they regulate, he says. So he'll impose more stringent conflict of interest qualifications and replace the bad guys with good ones. Kennedy won't tell me who he's got in mind, not until they're vetted, but he says he's got many names. (laughs) He's got a whole list of white hats just ready to come in. President Kennedy would also order his Justice Department to investigate the editors and publishers of medical journals for lying to the public. Okay, so a purge of scientists, that would be productive. Now, wait a minute. What happens if you have a study and you put out a paper and it's agreed upon, you know, there's a consensus, and then, you know, I don't know, a couple years later, uh, you know, somebody comes along with new evidence or does new experiments and the science changes because that's how it fucking works. Like, what are you going to do with the guys who put out the first study? Like, are are they going to be rounded up? and like take it to jail or find this I mean, is how we open more tenure track jobs in um <laughs> in scientific um, positions in their universities okay he's got a plan like any good conspiracy theory kennedy's underlying argument contains grains of truth the pharmaceutical industry does exert influence on science misconduct from prestige seeking researchers does sometimes occur and doctors and drug companies do often make medical decisions based on profit kennedy wraps these truths in the generic storyline of conspiracies something bad is happening but they don't want you to know about it so that they can reap profit and power If his views are true, I ask, why haven't any reputable whistleblowing doctors or scientists come forward to agree with him publicly? He says they are all, in some way or another, on the payroll. It's fixed. It's rigged. All right, a little bit redundant at the end, but... (laughs) Yeah, you know, I I think that there are, like, you know, legitimate concerns about, like, you know, Washington Glassdoor stuff, um, about regulatory capture by industries. But, you know, that just kind of seems like when it's coming from someone who is an ideologue, it just seems like talking about that sort of thing is a shield from just pushing an agenda. Like, I don't like that those guys are in there so I can get my guys in there. Yeah. yeah, you know, but he's not a, you know, I'm worried about industry, you know, capture or I'm worried about regulatory capture kind of guy. He's like, I think getting inoculated against the mumps will give you autism guy. You know, it's a, it's a lot worse. But, you know, he just does couch things in terms that are appealing to a lot of the population, I'd say. But, you know, it is, as Jake said, so ugly that it's got to cap out somewhere. Mm-hmm. But the presidential run of RFK Jr. has led to one good thing. It led to uh, Trump announcing the return of someone very special during an interview on Fox News. And Biden, he's got somebody at 21 percent. I just saw a number 21 percent, JFK Jr., who's a very nice person. I know him very well. Yes. There it is. Yes. Straight up, there it is. straight up said that JFK Jr., nice person. He knows him very well. And he's polling well, apparently. <laughs> you know, I, honestly, I want to know what Vincent Fusca's 48 hours after Trump said this were like. Like, who, what was he doing? He must have been up all night at, you oh, know, yeah, at yeah. the <laughs> Trump International in D.C. I bet he's been, been like, you know, from a hotel room to hotel room. The biggest high anyone has been on. You know, meeting meeting three middle-aged ladies in a row at the same chili bar (laughs) (laughs) yeah ordering ordering the fried ice cream taking their money uh making some calls getting some hats printed maybe maybe some graphic tees he's getting the van back together well and travis i was joking when i said that rfk jr should just announce that he's jfk uh jr because i guess trump just did it for him he's gonna come he's gonna be like donald donald uh you know i'm rfk i'm 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 robert he's like not anymore you're not (laughs) he's like i said it on the interview i said it in the interview and from now on, you're going to be JFK Jr., okay? You're changing who you... Yeah, you're changing who you are, okay? And you're going to run with me and potentially Michael Flynn. We could have two vice presidents. I'll be the first to do it. It's never been done before. It's going to be a great time. But from now on, everything that you know as Robert is now gone. You're only JFK Jr. So, yeah, all, all very dark, absurd stuff. So that's why we're going to end this episode with a little bit lighter topic. If this is a lighter topic, I, we've, got a, we've got a serious problem with this podcast, and everybody should stop listening right now because this is, <laughs> I mean, this story is, is horrifying. Yeah, yeah, you're a born pitchman, Jake. Uh, so, yeah, you've been spending some time looking into the uh, doomed expedition uh, to explore the wreckage of the Titanic and sort of the, the discourse around it. So what have you seen online? Well, yes, yeah, so. So 
my my wife is is a little bit of a, a armchair thalassophobe, so she has been following uh, this this horrible story pretty closely, and uh, you know, as a result, so have I. And you know, I want and I you know, anytime something weird like like this happens, you know, my first instinct is like, oh God, what what are the conspiracy theories like you know gonna be? And you know, unsurprisingly, uh, I have found a couple. So as I'm sure many of you are aware, the internet has been set ablaze with the horror movie version of The Ever Given. On Sunday, June 18th, a submarine charter company called Ocean Gate, which whose name is already like sounds like a scandal, lost contact with a civilian submersible in the North Atlantic Ocean. Five people, including the company's CEO, who was piloting the craft, had set course towards the wreckage of the Titanic, which sits about 2.4 miles beneath the surface. Participants paid $250,000 for a seat on the ill-fated journey. Now, look, before I go any further, I want to say I, I know that these people are rich and that, like, you know, the gravesite of over 1,500 people should, of course, not be a, a tourist attraction. So um, in law, that's called a attractive nuisance. <laughs> <laughs> An att- wait, that's real? Attractive nuisance? Yep. Something that's dangerous that make people want to go see it. Oh my God, we're we're all just like cave people. Like we're we're like, oh, I want to go. I want to go stare at the at the thing, but not too close because I could die. You know, but look, I want to say that I'm really hoping for a miracle here and that the ship is able to be recovered without any loss of life. Because if you, if you read any of the sort of potential scenarios of what could be going down inside that ship, uh, they're all, you know, the stuff of true nightmares. And look, what if what if it had been James Cameron down there? You know, we'd all be pulling for him. So anyways, I mean, none of these people are making Avatar 3, so it's not the same. <laughs> Regardless, the story is rife with drama, with everything from a whistleblower who had expressed grave concerns about the craft's safety to sonar picking up strange knocking echoing out from the abyss from where the craft was believed to be. There's also serious controversy surrounding the off-brand PlayStation controller used to pilot the submarine. Now, the controller in question uh, displayed in past photographs and interviews with the company's CEO, Stockton Rush, was a Logitech F710. It is unclear if this was the controller currently being used on the Titan submersible. The Logitech controller has mostly positive reviews on Amazon, but it is still pretty old, first releasing in September of 2010. So you gotta wonder, you, you, why didn't you update the, get, you know, get a razor, you know, something, something nice. Now, the, the whole controller thing actually isn't as bizarre as you might think. It's true that some U.S. Navy submarines uh, use Xbox controllers, but I imagine that the U.S. military is probably going to spring for the Elite Series controller, which I still wouldn't yeah. advise as the build quality is fairly problematic in my experience. Uh, just an aside. They actually use the GameCube controller. <laughs> Yeah, it's like, I mean, a GameCube, could one joystick, maybe that's better. I mean, who knows? Maybe that's better. It's, the, the hardware is probably better. I honestly think they're overdoing it. They should just use a Wiimote. Yeah, and use your body. It can use, you could use body motion to steer the sub. It's getting really warm down in there as they're doing um, some Wii tennis to navigate it through the runes. Oh my God. Well, I, we, 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 we hope they're okay. But of course, along with the internet's collective obsession with endangered ocean crafts, online conspiracy theorists have flocked to message boards pondering what's really going on beneath the waves. On the subreddit R Conspiracy, a post with over 130 upvotes offers one potential reason for the missing sub, and that post is as follows. Alien conspiracy theory to explain the missing submarine. I went down a rabbit hole after I read a comment claiming that the crew was actually there on an alien investigation mission instead of Titanic exploration. So I decided to do my own little digging, and here is what I found. Shazada Dawood, a Pakistani-British millionaire, sits on the board of trustees of SETI Institute, which stands for Search for Extraterrestrial Intelligence. The British billionaire, Hamish Harding, is a well-known space explorer and pilot. Conspiracy coincidence? What do you guys think? I think this seems reasonable. Well, it, it, gets, it gets more interesting. So other users in that thread uh, linked to a week-old 4chan post from a supposed government insider that seemed to add credence to this theory. And that 4chan post reads, I have intimate knowledge of what the U.S. currently knows about UFOs minus the last two years. UFOs are primarily unmanned drones. UFOs are built to spec each time they are deployed. UFOs are created by a mobile construction facility that hides in the ocean. 
Construction facility destroys anything that comes close to it and will disappear for days when approached aggressively. U.S. believes the facility has been active on Earth for at least 100 years or much longer. Fire away on questions. I'll answer what I can. You won't be disappointed. Anonymous. So, a couple interesting things here. Uh, one, they claim that the UFOs are primarily unmanned drones, which is actually uh, when uh, we had Chelsea Manning on the show, and I asked her what she believed uh, UFO crafts were. Her answer was that they were unmanned drones. So, I don't know. I don't know. Maybe maybe we're lining up a little bit. I started to get a little bit pilled. So, the first thing I wanted to look at, I was like, okay, is one of the ship's missing occupants really on the board of trustees at the SETI Institute, and he certainly listed on SETI's website in their board of trustees, so anyone's guess. Uh, but does this mean that the submarine was destroyed by an underwater alien craft? Probably not. In fact, in an article from Business Insider, Dawood's family even describes him as a big fan of science fiction. Shazada Dawood, a 48-year-old British-Pakistani businessman, was also aboard the Titan with his son, Suleiman Dawood, 19. In a statement shared with the BBC, their family said Shazada Dawood was interested in exploring different natural habitats. He serves as the vice chair of Pakistan's Engro Corp and lives in London with his son, wife, and other child, Alina. Suleiman Dawood, quote, is a big fan of science fiction literature and learning new things and a university student, his family said. So, you know, something else that's interesting from the um, from the post. The Titanic sunk in about 1912, and that was a little bit over 100 years ago. Wow, well, that and is a round number. It has one, two zeros, <laughs> very, very divisible by many other numbers. And the, the, Forch, the anonymous 4chan poster uh, goes on to say that uh, this underwater, there's a cut, there's a bit of good lore in this post, honestly, you know, that the underwater aircraft carrier that that essentially makes, you know, the UFOs basically hangs out around the Bermuda Triangle. So that checks out. A lot of weird stuff happening in the Bermuda Triangle, or so I understand. Another interesting piece from that is they said that each UFO is manufactured, like, you know, basically at the time. And so that's why they all look different is because they're each built like as they need them for a specific purpose. And they believe that the, um, the, this person also claims that the aircraft carrier is uh, driven by some sort of artificial intelligence, and that is how it is able to detect ships that are a threat to it, or just uh, you know passenger ships, commercial ships that that don't pose a threat, which is why those don't get sunk. So yeah, looking more and more like we have uh, an abyss case on our hands. I mean, we've got the Titanic, we've got James Cameron, uh, who is interested in the Titanic, who has visited it and made a movie about it. He also directed a movie, The abyss about a deep sea underwater crew that encounters aliens. So, I mean, with those two things, I mean, I'm basically sold. This is disclosure. So during my research, another aspect of this whole whole debacle became glaringly apparent that the everyday users of the R Titanic subreddit are becoming sick and tired of baseless conspiracy theories flooding their once peaceful forum. But there already are a bunch of Titanic conspiracy theories, like the one that it was sank to start the Federal Reserve, and then the one that it was sank for insurance fraud. Like, I feel like Titanic conspiracy theories are as old as the Titanic. I'm sure that we could devote a whole, a whole premium at at some point to uh, conspiracy theories about the Titanic. Maybe, maybe I'll take that on in the future. Our hearts will go on. <laughs> so one of the uh, highest upvoted posts uh, on our Titanic reads as follows. Open bracket, meta, close bracket. Could we get better moderation for this sub, please? 48 hours ago, this subreddit was full of good quality discussion from Titanic enthusiasts who at least <laughs> attempted to know the basics, and more importantly, knew the importance of facts and had respect for both victims of maritime disasters and the Titanic community. Now it's full of misinformed and uneducated takes from ignorant brigaders thinking they're all suddenly ship experts or borderline AI-generated conspiracy drivel being used to shitpost. In the past 24 hours, there have been twice as many garbage-tier posts as actual meaningful content. This subreddit is meant to be an actual place for discussion. And if you can't handle mature, nuanced conversations, please go back to our world news. Mods, <laughs> is there any way to curb the rapidly declining quality of posts here? It's really sad to see this sub implode. Is that a play on words? 
I, that I, I hope, so. I hope not. I hope that they were just, I, I hope they weren't making that joke uh, about this topic. I don't think they were. But, um, I, <laughs> no, no. They seem too angry to like make a kind of mean spirited pun like that. So make a joke at the end there. Just not a very self-aware person. Yeah. This is all bullshit. You know what really happened is that they went down and they made it and they actually went a little bit off course to do a little bit of extra exploring. And then when they did that, they saw some some bomb fragments and on those fragments they saw imprinted property of J.P. Morgan proving the plot to uh, destroy the Titanic in order to create the Federal Reserve and on the way up they thought they're going to break the story of the century but before they could reach the surface Alex Soros in his first act to protect the uh, lizard people cabal after taking the reins from his father George launched torpedoes from his own mini-sub sinking the titan and ensuring that uh, we never know the truth yeah and or they're in atlantis uh egon uh, travis has gone bye-bye <laughs> <laughs> yeah maybe that's it maybe they found the lost city of atlantis and they're gonna come back arms filled with gold that they don't need and then you know a whole new slew of conspiracy theories uh can kick off about where they went i mean i swear to god if they come back it's gonna be like time travel. It's gonna, it'll get even weirder, but that's what we're hoping for. So we'll see what happens. Thanks for listening to another episode of the QAnon Anonymous podcast. You can go to patreon.com slash QAnon Anonymous and subscribe for $5 a month to get a whole second episode every single week, plus access to our entire archive of premium episodes. Ali, where can people find more of your work on the World Wide Web? Um, I'm on Twitter at Penale Decalcify. I sometimes tweet about law. I sometimes tweet about sovereign citizens. I often tweet about living in Chicago. In this horrible documentary we watched, there's a whole section at the end about sovereign citizens. It was expected, but terrible. If you are already a subscriber, thank you very much. It helps us stay advertising free and editorially independent. For everything else, we have a website, qanonanonymous.com. Listener, until next week, may the deep dish bless you and keep you. It's not a conspiracy, it's fact. And now, today's auto cue. Indicted, indicted, locked up, can't get me off their mind. Off their mind, Lord knows they've tried millions times, millions times. Oh, well, why can't they, why can't they just let me go? This can't be happening. Jail cells are waiting, my hands are tied. Grand juries is lurking, can't run and hide. Oh, I can't avoid it, I can't avoid it. I can't avoid it. I try to escape it. But it's in the news, news. The Manhattan DAs, they're on my tail. Oh, I can't avoid it. I can't avoid it. Avoid it. They keep making it harder to stay. But I still won't fade away. I gotta know why can't they? Why can't they just let me go? Indicted, indicted, locked up. Can't get me off their mind. Let me go Indicted, indicted, locked up Can't get me off their mind, off their mind Lord knows they've tried millions times, millions times Oh, well, why can't they, why can't they Just let me go Golf.